Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Praise you. We glorify your name. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The children could go and get prepared to change the world back there with your Sunday school teachers. What a gift of God to have uh, teachers that, that are really training up our kids and, and, and powerful, powerful things. Some people think about children that they're, no, they're a nuisance. We think that they're uh, arrows in the hand of the mighty. Amen? The verse there that we were talking about was Hebrews 6.10, which is uh, somehow or another I put Hebrews 6.11. We'll put it up on the, store, uh, the, the board. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. He's not overlooking what you do for him. But he says, the love you have shown towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints, and we still do minister. The people don't know what the word minister means, but it means serve. That's what we do. We serve. And Jesus says the pathway to greatness is service. So the more you serve, the greater you become. It's not the amount of money that you have. It's not the amount of, of uh, influence and reputation. It's not the celebrity. It's who do you serve? And the most miserable people in the world. We already said who are the happiest people in the world, the people that separate right from wrong. The most miserable people in the world is James 3.16. Write that down. If you want to make sure that you're the most miserable person in the world, um, you think only about yourself. Self-seeking, wherever there is looking that other people are getting ahead and you're self-seeking, there's confusion and every evil thing. So those people that walk on the mindset, me, myself, and I, they never think about anybody else during the whole day. They're thinking about me, 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 me. That's the devil's favorite song. Um, I want to tell you the most miserable people in the world are the people that are only looking out for themselves. If you want to be joyful, start uh, looking out for others. That's walking in love. And this church is a powerful uh, testimony to that reality, what has gone on this year. And finally, uh, our favorite verse that closes out the year for us is Deuteronomy eleven twelve. What is our, our you know, people are, people are reading the newspapers. The fiscal cliff, we're about to go off the... Yeah. The, listen to me. My Bible says that the eyes of the Lord are on us from the first day of the year to the last day of the year. That's, that's what I know. Forget, I don't know what Congress or what people are talking about. I don't know, you know. No, no, no. Listen to me. Deuteronomy eleven twelve, And you could quote this and make it your verse. I mean, we're, we use it at the beginning of the year. We'll use it on the first week of January. But at the end of the year, we're a day before the end of the year, the eyes of God. You guys see that there? A land for which the Lord your God cares for. He's, he's watching over his people. His eyes, that talks about the favor of God. The eyes of God are upon something that's going to prosper. He's looking into it. The eyes of the Lord your God, say with me, are always. always. Is there ever a moment he's not? No, the Bible says he doesn't sleep, he doesn't slumber. He's on task. Um, from the first day of the year, one translation says, from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And, you know, another expression of joy and gratefulness because that word is a reality. It's a reality. God's goodness 
is in our lives. And so as we close out 2012, and here I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to take 40 minutes of a sermon in 15 minutes. Okay? I'm going to try real hard. I want to give you the substance of God. Yesterday I woke up. We spent the morning with Wellington Boone, had breakfast. Um, he's so blessed by, by his visit here. Um, his wife had to leave 33 relatives. How many would invite 33 relatives to your house for Christmas and then say, wait a second, I need to go to Miami for two days. I'll be right back. So she left her four grandchildren, her daughters, the trimmings, the, all that you know that goes on in Christmas. She says, we need to go visit Spring of Life Fellowship. We need to go say thank you. And, and powerful, powerful. Um, I don't know many wives that would let their husbands do that. But um, definitely has to be a woman of God who is, is, is wanting to, really powerful. What a blessed couple. We're going to see Wellington Boone all over the place in the next 10 years. I'm talking about huge. He, he's a warrior for the kingdom. And I want to be right next to him. I'll, I'll hold his arrows, his missiles, his weapons. I'll be his armor bearer. Uh, learning how to fight, learning how to, and the guy's a prince. He's amazing. Um, so we want to hang out with wise men. The, the promise of God in Proverbs 13, 20 says, if you accompany the wise, you'll be wiser. If you walk with wise men, you will be wise. But he who walks with fools, take, take, take a, full, a full meter. I don't know if that exists. Grab your thermometer and stick it out there with the people you hang out with. And if they're not walking in the wisdom of God, you're soon to be destroyed. The Bible says the companion of fools will be destroyed. It's not that they're going to be foolish. They're going to end up going through horrific devastation. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We know that your word is powerful than any two-edged sword. It comes, Lord, and sharper and reaches deeper than anything that we can think of. And so now use your word in our lives and allow us to come to your truth. For your word is truth and the truth sets us free that we might live for you. Your word is a lamp unto our feet so we not stumble. Your word is the good seed that brings forth good fruit that glorifies your name when it is found good soil. We pray that your word not return void, but that it would perform that which you send it out to do. As you speak over us this morning, by your goodness and by your grace, let this word feed and nourish our souls and our spirits as the bread of life. Because you said that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Allow this word to come inside of us and to grow us up into the purpose of God. I pray that your word would prosper in our hearts, that we would hide your word in our hearts, that we not sin against you and walk contrary to your plans. Father, I give you thanks for your word, as I know, Lord, that you will do exceedingly and abundantly and way above anything that we can ask or think according to your purpose in this season. Bless your word and use it for our lives, O oh God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We walk out the last two days of this year, and there's three assessments that we need to take where we have just been, and some of us don't want to go where we've just been, uh, and some of us want to get past ahead, and that's what we're going to do uh, 
on, on the 31st, this church believes in saying goodbye to the past. We don't live in the past. I say, goodbye, never want to see you again. And we say hello to the future because bright and glorious things God has in our future. And one of our favorite sayings in this church is the best is yet to come because God takes us to another level of glory, another level of triumph. I don't, I don't understand those people that like to stay in the desert going around and just uh, wandering. Um, we say goodbye to 2012, good, bad, or ugly. It doesn't matter. We're not going to put a little throne around it and say, yeah, this was a good year. I wish everything was like 2012. No. 2013 is the proclamation of the coming of the Lord, the, the proclamation of his goodness being fulfilled. Uh, we are, the church is a protagonist in end times. The, the Hollywood is not going to tell you how important the church is. Uh, the news media is not going to tell you. Uh, the papers, the, the journalists are not going to write about the church. But listen to me. The Bible says that God has a glorious bride without spot or wrinkle. And she's going to take place in the platform of the earth uh, realm at a, at a serious degree. We always use Isaiah 60 to pronounce the reality of the times. I want to tell you real quickly, there's going to be great and deep darkness upon the earth. Things are going to get ugly for a lot of people, but not for the church. And so the Bible says there in Isaiah 60, verse 2, Behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Uh, listen to me. Everything you hate in life, everything you hate in life is darkness. And you, you could tell me. You tell me what's darkness for you. Not having money, going through a divorce, um, being lonely, uh, not, not being connected, just whatever you want to be, the darkness that fills the earth. But the Bible says deep darkness will cover the people. But the Lord will rise over his people, and his glory will be seen upon us. What we just saw with that engagement, that, listen to me. That those, are, those are realities uh, that people out there only think about in fairy tales. They, they, that, that doesn't exist upon the earth anymore. Two people that wait till they're serious to say, I love you, and commit. That's unheard of. But that's the glory of the light of his goodness. And, and, and those of us, are I'm going for it. I'm, I'm not, I don't have any other plans. So we know the past. Um, we need to assess the present because we're going into the future. And whatever you do now is going to determine what you get there later. It's not going to be a surprise. It's not going to be like, oh, I wonder how this happened. Listen to me. What a man sows, he's going to reap. If you sow good seed, you get, some people say, I don't sow anything, man. I'm so confused. The Bible says if you sow nothing, you reap the whirlwind. And people say, I don't want to do nothing. Listen, you better do something. Because whatever you do out of intentionality, what you intend to do, that's what you intend to get out of. And, and the world lives um, just, just as in, this, in this whirlwind of coming and going without knowing what's blowing in the air. Um, there's several groups of people that we've already determined, we've already classified. I want to tell you that in this ministry, there are people that are walking with us. I want to tell you what that means. There are people that when we go like this, they're like, whoop. Whatever we do, these people have already shown themselves to be faithful to walk with us. That's a group of people. I praise God for that group of people. Then there's another group of people, and these are people that are walking close to us. When we go like this, they're like, see where they're headed, and I might think about doing it. That's a whole different, they're walking, they're not walking with us. 
If you were to ask him about something, like about Omar, and not telling his girlfriend he loves him, uh, loves her until he's going to follow up with actions, some people are like, that's crazy. He should have told her when he was 14, man. Why did he wait so long? He should have kissed her when he was 15. Um, listen to me. The people like Omar Jr. are walking with us, and that's why he reaped like he reaped. That's the huge harvest. And then there's people walking close to us. They see that like... Last year, we had a couple, Rex and Carolyn Johnson, and she tells her testimony about being divorced for 12 years and waiting for her husband, right? Well, that day, there was a young girl here who was separated from her husband, and when she heard waiting 12 years, she left the church. She goes, not me, uh-uh. And she went out with a guy that night. See, there's people that, that they, they don't, they, what we're doing to them seems crazy, Seems crazy, so they're not going to follow in route. But I want to talk this morning not to the people that are walking close to us. Hopefully, they'll walk with us sooner or later. There's people walking at a distance. They got their meter, man, in this house. They're going to run like all craziness when they see the proof of God's goodness and glory. They're just going to run. They're like, we want what you have. Actually, that's what it says there in Isaiah chapter 60. He says, um, the Gentiles will come to your light, the kings to the brightness of your rising. They're going to run here wanting what we have. We want our daughters to have princes. We want our sons to be, uh, have princesses. We want our marriages to have peace, joy, and righteousness. We want what you have. And they're going to run. Listen to me. I can tell you right now, we're not going to fit in this place. We're not going to fit in this place. Uh, and the next year, we have marriages conferences already confirmed in North Carolina, in um, Utah. They called us from Utah. In Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, they want us up in New England, in Boston. They want us in South Africa. And I, I'm wondering, I said, who's going to come? Who's going to be part of the world-changing reality when people just flock over and saying, we want the ingredients of that bread? We want, the, we want the harvest. Give us those seeds. And so there's people that are walking at a distance. Um, there's people that are walking contrary. So these groups of people, those who believe, those who do not believe, those who make fun of us, and those who rebel, those people that, that walk distance. And I'm not concerned. I'm going to tell you very, very clearly. I, I try to, I try to, to, to like, hey, Mr., Go do something else. Go, go get busy doing all your foolishness. So, so the foolishness would be your glory. But in this house, we want, we want, to, we want to really show forth the, the essence of the vision God has given us. We, we want to show it forth to the nations. They're going to freak out. They, they would have sworn, there's no way somebody could go through high school and middle school and not have a girlfriend and not tell her you love her. And you got to try, man. How do you know that Erica is really going to like Omar? If, if she doesn't try, listen to me. That's the foolishness of the world. The foolishness of the world. And so I, I'm like Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. As Nehemiah was purposeful and intentional in doing what God had called him to do, some people say, hey, can you talk to us and explain a little bit about what's going on? And he told them like this, so I sent a message to them saying, I'm doing a great work, so I cannot come down. I'm not going to come down to your level. If you want to, you could come up to our level. 
But we're not going to go down to your level. And he says, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to meddle with you? Why, why do you get me involved with your stink and you're trying to get me to, to do what? You crazy? And, and so we have spent 14 years, trust me with what I'm telling you, 14 years telling people, look, we are changing the world. We, we are going to the nations with the excellence of God, with the standard of his, of his measure. We're not saying it's impossible. We're not saying we're weak. We're not saying the Holy Spirit is not sufficient. We're not saying the grace is not sufficient. God has given us all things that pertain to godliness. Great and precious promises. Um, listen, this is not religion. Wellington Boone will say this is reality. This is reality. And so don't, listen to me. When people come in, we have a save your marriage ministry. People come in, oh, I want to save my marriage. Let me tell you something. I said, shut up. I don't want to listen to you because, see, you have nothing good to say. Listen to what I have to say because it will save your marriage. It will save your family. It's like a brain surgeon. He knows how to pull out the tumors. He doesn't go to the brain surgeon. I got a tumor, and I got to tell you about it. Listen, shut up. Let him open your skull and take out the bugs and then live happily ever after because he knows what he's doing. And listen, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the kingdom of God, the grace of the Lord. I'm talking about his word is flawless. And so we need to get more on his task. And, and so we've, we've had to, 14 years, we've had to tell people, people come with all types of ideas. Like, hey, we have a verse for you, Ecclesiastes 5.1. Wait, what's that? This is a real powerful verse we use here. And it says, when you approach the house of the Lord, when you draw near, shut up. Come and listen. Come and receive. Walk. Give me another verse up there, please. Another translation of that verse. Those who walk to the house of the Lord, as you come to the house of God, draw near to hear rather than speak the words of fools. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to speak because you don't even know that what you're saying has nothing to do with what God is saying. You don't even understand that. You've been saying what you're saying so long, you think it makes sense. And God wants you whoop, whoop. Let that stuff come inside because God has plans for you. God wants to blow you up. God wants to, in a good way, Wellington, blow you up is, is whoosh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go good. They don't know that what they're doing is wrong. So if I like Nehemiah's first verse about him telling him, I'm not going to go down because I'm too busy doing a great thing, I like his second verse better, which is Nehemiah 6, verse 4. This, this is even better. He says, Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. Four times they want, hey, Nehemiah, you think you're going to, you think you're going to, listen, don't bug me. I'm busy. I'm busy. If you take another 20 years before you get on the team, you're going to look like another 20 years has gone by. But if you get on God's and this is what I want to bring today. I don't, I don't want to walk out of here without giving you what God has given me to give you. There is a relationship like no other relationship on the earth to make sure that you 
really come to task with his purpose. The most horrible existence is a Christian that has no reality behind his Christianity. There is no, listen to me, I live the kingdom of God every day. Every second of every day. There's not a moment where I say, well, I guess nothing's going on. And the people that tell me they're bored, get a life. What is that life? He who has the son has the life. If you don't have the son in your life, your life is miserable. Miserable. It's grueling every second. I I don't want to hang out with you. It's that miserable. So here's the relationship. Proverbs 20, 20. The connection is this. You need to come into relationship with God the Father and God the Son through the Holy Spirit. And it's not going to happen in an invisible realm. Listen very well. He who curses his father and mocks his mother, his lamp will be turned off into utter darkness. That means if you don't have a spiritual father, if you're not obeying somebody in your life who's significant and godly in character as a spiritual mom, you are blind as a bat. You will not see the next part of your life. Uh, it's great because some young kids, they go around sticking their fingers in their ears going, nah, 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 because they don't want to listen. Or the guy that's walking around with his, he doesn't want to see. The Bible says a foolish man like an ostrich puts his head on the ground. He doesn't want to see. And, and how and why isn't it he doesn't want to see? It's because he doesn't want a father-son relationship. Many could swear that, you know, they want to see, but it's only going to get darker for you. 2013 is a time, 2012, the Lord told us to align ourselves with God's reality. And we've done that. This year, the Lord says, hey, I don't want you to travel as much as you've done in previous years. We travel four to five months out of the year. That means four months out of the year, we're going to somewhere, and you guys know we're blowing it up. We're giving them the goods. We're talking about what God is doing here. When I start telling them about Omar and Erica's testimony, people are going to say, come on, how could that be real? Jennifer Aniston is on her 10th relationship. Jennifer Lopez, you know, she's dreaming. Listen to me. They're in darkness. They have no light. They have no wisdom. They have no respect for a relationship with the Father. Look what it says about our promise in 2013, Proverbs 13, verse 9. He says, the light of the righteous will begin to burn brightly. The light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. I don't know about you. I know about me. In 2013, I want to shine. I want my my thoughts to be clear. I want to have clarity. I want to walk with purpose. I don't want to sit there and be in darkness. I am going to seriously, and people don't believe me when I say this, I'm going to get more serious with God. People don't believe me when I say that. They're like, more serious, more serious, more serious in the alignment with the kingdom of God. Let your light so shine before men that will glorify your Father in heaven. And some of us, our light are not shining. Our lives are dark. Proverbs 24, 20. For the evil man has no future in hope. The person who's not living in God's alignment has no future. He's not looking forward to any good things in the near future. His lamp, the lamp of the wicked, will be snuffed out. There's going to be people like that. 
There's going to be people that in 2013, man, they're just, going to, they're just going to throw the towel and go back into the world. They're going to go back to the, how they were before Christ. They're not going to move into this relationship that God is speaking to me. He says, well, Joaquin, I'm giving you now the game plan for the rest of your ministry. You're going to raise up fathers. You're going to raise up sons. And you're going to fix sons that are messed up. You're going to raise up fathers, you're going to raise up sons, and you're going to restore sons that are messed up. That'll be the rest of our ministry. Job chapter 18, verse 5. It's an old, Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible, even, you know, consistent with the times of the patriarchs, the times of Genesis. They say that Genesis was the first book written, and then Job was one of the first books written. And it says, the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. The flame of his fire stops burning. The flame of his fire stops burning. <laughs> Listen to me, people. If you don't get into this relationship, this is what it means to have your lamp turned off. Verse 19. Job 18, 19. There will be no sons in your house. There will be no descendants. There will be no offspring, no survivor. Listen, the perverted spirits of homosexuality is a dead, sterile relationship of darkness. Some guy says, what do you have with that? What, I'm gay. What do you have with that? Listen to me. It's a dead relationship. It has no fruit. Amen. And God made you to be fruitful, my friend. Amen. God made you to have so much fruit, you will fill the earth. You will, you will be known by your descendants because of your fruitfulness. But if your lamp is turned off, the Spirit of God is not in your life. The Spirit of this world is what shines. There will be no offspring, no descendants. And, and you guys know that the Bible is a spiritual book, so I'm not reading it so much and having a lot of these, even though these are fun. I'm talking about spiritual sons. I'm talking about having sons that will fill the earth, and I can't just wait to see the sons of this house become princes upon the earth. Walking in the order and the dignity and in the legacy of the vision God has given us. And so this is what it is. It says, to be snuffed out will be to have no more offspring. There will be no grandsons. There will be no remaining in his family. And so it says in verse 21, it says like this. It says, surely such is the family of an evil man. Such is the place of one who refuses to get intimate with God. I want to, get, I want to press in to the principles of the kingdom. I want to know what it is to be a spiritual father. I want to raise up fathers in this house. Amen. I want to raise up sons, but I want to raise up fathers. And a father is a man who takes responsibility and raises up a family for the glory of God. He says, Joaquin, do you remember what the father was doing during the prodigal son? He was at the house waiting for the sons to come in. You know who spiritual fathers are? Those people who get to church at least an hour before church starts. You can say ouch right there. Because they're waiting to see the sons of God come home. They're not showing up like if there's no sons coming home. He says, use Luke chapter 15, verse 11. The story of the prodigal son. So you begin to align your ministry to fathers who will care for the house. In my father's house, there 
is many mansions. There's room for you. I go to prepare a place for you. There are people that are so spiritually immature and so selfish, they only show up for the service. At What time is their service? 10 o'clock. They show up right at 10. You know when they leave? Right when church finishes. We don't need those men in this church. We do not need those men in this church. You go find your little church that serves you. We want to serve the Lord. We want to serve the people of God. We want to raise up a generation of men that are mighty for the glory of God. And he says, I write to you fathers because you know him that is from the beginning. You're not serving God according to fad or fashion. Or my church used to let us get there and drink lattes first. Well, then go back to that church. Because you'll be having the first wife, the second wife, the third wife, and the fifth latte. You will not preserve a lineage like that. We're waiting for sons, raising up sons that are returning home. And they need to see a family here serving a real God. We need to see men that raise up as fathers. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 12. Elijah, a man of God in the Old Testament, raises up a, a gentleman who has no father. And at the end of his life, and at the end of that relationship, he says, Elijah saw this as, as his spiritual father was going up in a chariot of fire. And he cries out, not my prophet, my prophet, or my mentor, my mentor, or my spiritual guy, my, my theologian. He says, my dad, you've been a dad to me. And we're living in a fatherless generation. And the church has to be those that have the spirit of Abba Father. That are not concerned about themselves but are caring for God's children. That's what ministry is going to be in the last days. Ministry is going to be about raising up men willing to be fathers to a fatherless generation. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 says, But in the midst of judgment there is a promise. In the midst of darkness there is a pathway. In the midst of, of real confusion there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Those who in the past he humbled in far lands, the future for them will be honor. The honor that will come out of Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of shadow of death, a light has come upon them. Well, the confusion in this world is nobody understands that if we don't apply the principles of the honor of a house. And he says, listen, you call me your dad. You call me your father. You say you're my son. Where's my honor? Where are you walking? Why don't you try to live like you're living out in the world? You see how fast they can you. You'll see how fast they'll get rid of you. And so he says, in this place where people walk in darkness, a great light is shown. You have multiplied the nation and increased your joy. What is the harvest of joy that's coming? Verse 3. You have enlarged the nation. You have increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest. There's going to be a great return as we line up. As men rejoice after when they're dividing the plunder, the fruits of a relationship. I pray that you get this in the spirit. If you not enter into the relationship of a spiritual son, you're an illegitimate child of God. 
Illegitimate means, means no inheritance. Illegitimate means you're an orphan. You're destined to darkness and no inheritance. There's no legacy for a rebel. The Bible says that a rebel shall have his eyes plucked out of his socket because he refuses to honor the relationship God has established upon the earth. Proverbs 30, 17. The eye who looks contrary to the spirit of dad. We're talking about the lamp being turned off. We're talking about darkness. We're talking about no family, no seed, no future, no inheritance. The eye that mocks a father. Listen to me. Not your father, a father. And a father will bring correction to your life. You must love correction. You must love somebody telling you a better way. But if you mock that, it says you scorn obedience to a mother. Church, your eyes will be pecked out by the ravens of those who fly in the valley, eaten by vultures. First Chronicles 12.32, the lineage of the sons of Issachar. These were sons that lined up with their father. And the Bible says... The sons of Issachar who understood the time and knew what the people of God should do, they became leaders. I don't know if you, you're thinking yourself as a leader, but I want to ask you a question. Lead them where? Lead them to what? What is the consequence of the life you're living if people were to follow your example? That's the responsibility of a leader. It's going to happen to them like it's happening to you. So Paul came off his high horse. And he says, I'm going to bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to get in right relationship. That's found in Ephesians. And we'll go there quickly because we've got to finish. I pray that you get this. I know that it's the end of the year. I know that we're rushing through this. But you need to get it. Ephesians. Chapter 3, verse 14. Paul understands the revealed mystery of God's inheritance. Huge! Huge! Gigantic! Epic! Out of control! He, he describes it in verse 2. It's just out of control. This religious man who is stuck in his religion. And God's pulling him out to his inheritance. He says, for this reason... Because God wants to download something that's greater than anyone has ever known, I must bow down. I must come in relationship before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15. Because it's from Him that the whole family in heaven and on earth receives their legacy, their name, their inheritance. If you don't have the name, you don't have the inheritance. That... He would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened in his might and, and through his spirit in the inner man. Let the spirit of God bring you to the place of your spiritual inheritance. Why are you going to fight it? Why are you going to run from it? Why will you be like the prodigal son and have to go out there and eat with pigs for a season? Because you refuse, refused to walk as a faithful son. There's only one description for a faithful son. It's called obedience. There's only one description for a faithful son. It's called service. There's only one description of a faithful son, and it's called faithfulness. 
Do you obey? Do you serve? Are you faithful? And some people obey sometimes, they serve other times, and they're faithful once a year. No. A son, he comes in the form of Jesus Christ. He comes in the form of the Spirit of God. Behold, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. John 10.30, me and my father are one. If you've seen the father, you've seen me. Can you say that? I and the father are one? What father? I have 15. It's because you're rebellious. So you don't want to obey, don't want to serve, don't want to remain faithful. Who do I listen to? You will be like Saul. You're going to have to go into a witch's cave and listen to some witch prophesy over you. Because you refuse the legacy of a dad. You refuse the legacy of a man of God who walks in the spirit of Elijah. Really powerful. And we finish with this verse, and I hope you caught it. In 1 Kings 1.5, the Bible says that King David had a son. And his name was Adonijah. And so he had a great legacy of the kingdom of his father, David, who was a man after God's own heart. And he says, now Adonijah, whose mother was Agith, he put himself forward. How many Christians do you know that are doing their own thing? He put himself forward. Another translation says he exalted himself. Put himself forward and he says, I'll take the role of deciding things in my life. I'll be king. So he got himself, another verse says, he, he, he served himself chariots and horses ready with 50 men that would run with him. And the Bible says why? Verse 6. For his father David had never interfered him asking, what the hell are you doing? He never had a dad that said, hey, hey. Stop, buddy. That's not the road. That's not the timing. That's not the place. What are you doing? Exalting himself, choosing his weapons, and going forth. Why do you behave like this? He was an attractive young fella. He had things going for him. He had gifts. He had talents. But he had no honor. God says in Romans 8, Verse 19, that all of creation wants to see somebody take God serious and say, I'm going to be a faithful son. And I know, I know that many of us have wanted to be faithful sons and our fathers have neglected their fatherhood. I asked the Lord that one day. I said, Lord, why did you give me spiritual dads that didn't want to be dads, that didn't want to take care of me and correct me and teach me? And he says, because I'm going to raise you up to be a father of nations. I'm going to raise you up to have the spirit of God upon you. The Bible says in the whole creation is waiting. They're longing to see. When I saw Nestor come into this place, I said, you're a prince, my friend. You got an inheritance in the kingdom. But you got to be a faithful son. You got to walk with dad. You got to serve dad. You got to obey dad. You got to live for his glory. Every man I run into, I know that God wants to raise them up as faithful sons. I don't want to waste time playing religion. We don't have time in this church to be playing church. So I kick people out all the time. I want the sons of God to be revealed by a heart to want to be obedient to the Lord. To the Lord. Faithful to the Lord. Creation waits. Everything God created is figuring out who are these men going to be that will walk in this paradigm of God. Romans 8.14 says it's those that are led by the Spirit of God that are the sons of God. You can only do this in the spirit of God. Any other spirit serves himself. But the spirit of God says, I have come to do the will of my father. 
Father, this is a tough thing, but not my will be done. Pass this cup. No, no, not pass this cup, Father. I know it's tough, but I want your will to be done, not mine. Thy will be done. And then we finish with Revelations 21.7, whoever is able to get on this paradigm. And I'm telling you, I have a responsibility to teach this the end of 2012 because it's going to determine where you sit on 2013. He who comes into this will inherit all this. I will be his God, and he will be my son. I will be his God. He will be my son. Let's stand today. And I've done my best to give you the goods. How you respond to the goods is up to you. Those of you that are able to get past self are the true sons of God because they walk in love. I always tell grown men, what is the legacy you're living? What is the legacy you're living and leaving behind to your children? And I want to tell you right now, going to church on Sunday morning is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. That's what is sold out there in Christianity today and in ministry in the United States. That you could just come to church on Sunday and everything's fine. It's not going to cut it for 2013. You're going to have to step up and say, Lord, give me that spirit of adoption. Give me that spirit that cries out. Galatians 4 verse 6. The spirit of he's given us says, you're my dad. You're my dad and I must be about my father's business. Because you are sons, because you walk in the reality of being a prince, God sends his spirit upon you. A spirit of his son into your hearts. A spirit that, listen to me, I don't want to please anybody. I don't want to impress anybody. I have invitations to go impress. People want me to parade with them. I want to impress my dad. Sometimes I'll sit in this church and there won't be anybody here, but I'm going to be here. Sometimes there's services, nobody comes, but I'm going to come. Sometimes people are like, oh, have to go to listen to me not only do I have to come I need, I need to serve the Lord's table and I, I prepare the best not for you necessarily but for him I want to be faithful to him I want to be obedient to him I want to serve him I'm giving you an opportunity this morning to come to the altar of God and this call is just to those who want to press into their sonship wants to say, Lord, pull me away from being a son after any other thing. Pull me away from being an Adonijah of lifting myself up and leading a crew into a direction where I have not had the ability to have a father say, what the hell are you doing? What, what, what are you all about here? What, what, what do you think of that? I want you to come to the altar. I want to pray for you. I want to do this quickly because we got to get into our next service here. I want to serve the Lord with faithful sons of God. I want to serve the Lord with those that are the daughters of a most high God. The verses the Lord gave me in the preparation of this message.
2 Corinthians 6, 18. This was Paul was trying to press into Timothy's life. Well, God says this. He says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And when God speaks into our life, that's what he's creating, the character of those that are going to represent him on the land. Father, I give you thanks for your word this morning. I give you thanks that we've been in the house of God, and we have heard the word of a faithful father. We pray, Lord, that your word would be prosper over the lives of these men who have come forward, oh God who have chosen, like Joseph, the inheritance of the coat of many colors. A faithful son, obedient to his father, brought up to be a prince of Egypt. Brought up to administer and inventory the wealth of the earth for the nations. And these will be the men. These will be the families upon the earth that have your good seed, godly seed. You said, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, for his descendants will be mighty upon the land. Wealth will not cease from his house. Every good treasure is there because of wisdom. Allow us to enter into this paradigm. The God of Abraham, a father. The God of Isaac, a son. The God of Jacob, a son restored. A son transformed through through your spirit. And I pray that these men will come into perfect alignment with your kingdom. And they will say, Abba, Father. What you desire, God, is what I desire. What your priorities are will might be my priorities. I want to grow up to be a faithful father in the house of God, in the kingdom of God, in the business of our Father who is in heaven. Bless them. Give them clarity. Allow their lamp to shine brightly. Father God, let there be plenty of oil in that lamp, O oh God. Perfect their obedience, their faithfulness, their service, O oh God. Teach them how to be obedient sons for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, and the house of God says amen. Amen Amen and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.